Hi, welcome to another episode of Ed Up Explained with your host, Ashanti Martin. In this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing writer, author, and speaker, LaRon Barton. His article called What It's Like to Be a Black Man in Tech was published on March 4th in Harvard Business Review. I really enjoyed how LaRon wrote about his experiences as a source of support and guidance to other black men in the field. We also talked about how these lessons are good for everyone to listen to in order to be their own advocate in the workplace, especially for young people just getting started. Ed Up Explained explores new perspectives and asks probing questions to encourage all of us to become more rigorous, critical thinkers. Ed Up Explained is part of the Ed Up Experience Podcast Network, which facilitates positive change and inspires lifelong learning. Let's get started. So last month I was surfing LinkedIn as I am wont to do during the day. And I stumbled across an article from Harvard Business Review titled, What It's Like to Be a Black Man in Tech. Uh, I immediately uh, ran to read it. And as soon as I did, I wanted to bring the author onto the show. I'm going to read the first, the introduction of the story, and then we'll get right into it. As a black man who has been working in the technology sector for more than 20 years, I can tell you that my race has almost always been a factor in how I am viewed and treated. In many of the companies that I've worked for, if not in all of them, I have been one of, and sometimes the sole African-American in my department. When you're the only black person in an office, you notice it. Glancing around, you notice that no one looks like you, talks like you, or has a story like you. Nobody has the gall to approach you and say, hey, out of the 40 people on this floor, you're the only black guy. But you sense that everyone else notices too. You sense it from the stares you receive when you walk through the door, from the looks on people's faces when they find out you're competent at your job, from the alienation you feel after not being invited to lunch with your peers, and from the awkwardness they project when they try to engage you in everyday conversation. Being black in tech, like being black in America, is an exercise of mental toughness. Your mind is constantly wondering, how long can I last? I am very pleased and honored to have the author of this article here with us today, LaRon Barton. Hi, LaRon. Hello, Ashanti. How are you today? I'm excellent. I'm so, first of all, congratulations on this article in Harvard Business Review. I know that you are a you. prolific writer, but um, as I we have discussed, this article has had a lot of impact. So can you talk about the impact the article has had since it was published? Yeah, so um, being published in the Harvard Business Review was, was the goal. I mean, it's a very prestigious journal. And um, I wanted to talk about my experience being a black man in, in tech and the, the outpouring of just comments, mess, messages. I mean, just the, uh, I mean, it's, it's been incredible, you know, when, you know, people will message me and say, hey, Lauren, I wanna say thank you for, thank you for writing this. Oh my God, this is very similar to my experience. You know, I, I, I go through something, you know, very similar, or, you know, I can write a book about being, uh, about being black in, in, 
in, in tech, just the outpouring of, of emotions has been, has, has, has been really great. And it, it, for me, it's successful because as a writer, I want to tell a story, but I also want other people to be able to see themselves within a story. You know, Shanti, I always say that um, stories are better than data, right? Because, you know, anybody can, can read graphs and charts and, and this and that, but a story, you, 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 you really get a chance to put yourself in, in, in that person's shoes. You know, you get, there's a sense of empathy that you get and you embody, you know, when you read about someone's struggles with, with tech and, you know, tech is a very white space. So being black in tech, I mean, that's a triumph in, in, in itself. You know, I've, I've been in tech for over 21 years. And so I wanted to write this, Ashanti, as a sort of a su suggestion for all the new young black folks that are coming into, into tech today and to, and to let them know, listen, you know, this is what you you know, can expect, you know what I mean? This is what's going on and uh, this is what you can do to sort of mitigate any type of negative uh, in interaction or just negative experiences. Yeah. One of the things that um, I think about a lot is, you know, we read a lot about women in tech or black people in mm -hmm. tech or, or other forms of, um, you know, alienation as you spoke of or marginalization sure. in tech. And we tend to talk about tech as an industry, like it's separate from other industries. But right. just from your experience, it seems to me like every industry is is tech or is going to Absolutely. be tech. So how why is it important, you know, to specifically talk about tech, um, right. you know, kind of versus, uh, you know, more at large industries? Sure, that's a really good question. So, I, you know, again, I, I've been in tech for over 21 years. And, you know, the, the problems with tech, they're, they're just a symptom of what's going on with the entire world, which is, you know, we live in a system of racism, white supremacy. I wanted to talk about tech because that's an area that I know very intimately. And, you know, because tech is so young, it's so white, and it's really drives off of what my friend Karen Fleshman taught me in 2013, social capital. It's mm -hmm. a, it's not a unique space, Ashanti, but at the same time, it's just, it's an incredibly white space. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those, uh, um, you know, areas where Black people we still are in such small numbers as far as employment. I mean, if you take a look at a company like Google, they're like two, 3% black, you know, like Apple, I think is 4% black. Like, you, you know, it's, it's sad when, uh, when Netflix is, is held up as this sort of diversity champion and, and they're 9%. And I'm like, that ain't about nothing, but you know, we can, uh, you know, we could cite data and, and graphs about, how many people Google has, but I, but I wanted to, again, give, give a human experience as to what it is really, what, you know, what is it, what it is really like, you know, the alienation, the, the, the microaggressions, just like the straight up racism, just the fact that 
you know, I as a, I as a black man, someone who is you know, six foot two, broad shoulders, dark skinned man, has mm-hmm. been able to just still stay in this space. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to tell people my story. And I believe that in telling my story, people can, uh, people can feel like that they can be heard. And hopefully this will encourage other people to tell their story. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the uh, advice that you gave in the article, because that's yes, what I really enjoyed about it was that you're sharing your experience and you're sharing, you know, kind of that work needs to be done and why it's a problem, but you're giving people like yourself some advice. So the first thing you talk about is the most powerful thing you can do is to be yourself and the value of not changing yourself uh, and, and acknowledging that that does come with some risk. So talk a little bit more about that. You know, um, I think that when you are, when, when, when you are black in America, you are constantly uh, trying to, uh, you know, dim your light. You are constantly trying to appease white people. You are constantly trying to not be the non-confrontational Negro. And so when you are not yourself, you are not fully able to function properly. You know, it's like, you know, you're wearing a mask. And so you're, you're not being true to yourself. And so, you know, this is something like that I always say, Ashanti, I would rather be rejected for who I am than accepted for who I'm not, right? I'm just gonna do me, be like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna be me, be, um, because I don't have time to try to be inoffensive to, you know, um, be, you know, walking in here, always smiling and just being just this unrealistic uh, caricature of a person. You like, you know, we are, you know, we are who we are, who we are. And so, you know, being black alone that's going to offend some folks so you know you just like it's just like with code switching you know i stopped code switching i was like maybe like 31 30 32 because i realized i'm like look this is who i am you know i like to use slang i i talk like i'm not going to talk one way to one group of people and one way to another group of people that's just being in our inauthentic my friend aaron Hadakasis, she always talks about be authentic. When you are authentic and when you are truly who you are, that's going to shine through and, and that's going to give you courage and that's going to make you stand up straight. And when you when you are comfortable with who you are, Ashanti, and this is something that I've learned, is that you will have boundaries and you will start to realize, okay, this is what I accept. This is what I don't accept. You know, you know, you know what I mean? And absolutely. And, 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 you know, and, you know, you, and, you know, you go from there and, you know, every environment is, is, is not for you. Mm-hmm. Like we got us, uh, man, and this is, this is just not for the folks, but this is for everybody. Yeah. I think you, that's important you, because I think that, hell yeah. you know, people, um, people can still, even if you're not a black man, you can still derive 
lessons from this because 100%. there's just a broader issue of being able to be, you know, human at work. And that really applies to everybody. Um, Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I, I would like to talk about briefly is, you know, you mentioned, well, first I want to acknowledge, you mentioned Karen Fleshman. I like her. I love her work. Um, yeah, no, she's a good friend of mine. Shout she, out to Karen. She's great. She's great. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned white supremacy. And I think there are a lot of people now who are wondering, how did that term go from, you know, describing skinheads with Nazi tattoos to describing, right. you know, just basically everything, all of the systems that are foot in our country. So can you demystify that a little bit about you know, why we have to call it by its name, you know, and, and what it means. Sure. So whenever we talk about race, uh, Ashanti, we often do it from do it from the place of, okay, let's not offend anyone. Let's, let's, let's not, you know, again, let's come not, and, and, and I can only talk about this from the, from the binary of, 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 of black and white because I'm black. When we talk about race, there's a there's a level of specificity that needs to be had, and so when we use the term race, like and and I and I use the the terms interchangeably. Um, something that I learned from uh, from the, from this wonderful podcast called "The Context of White Supremacy," uh, Gus Gus T. Renegade, which is ironically how I met Karen Fleshman. You know, when we don't call it. About, about what it is, then we minimize what it is. So when we don't use terms like racism, white supremacy, when, when we just say, oh, it's just white privilege, well, that just simply says that, oh, well, you know, all white people have, have to have to do with it is just be it's just be nice to us, right? Or it's like another problem that I, that I have with that term is like white privilege says, oh, you know what, Ashanti, I, I just woke up with all, with all these goodies. You know, I don't, you know, all I got to do is just acknowledge my privilege and that solves the problem, but that's not true. What is missing from white privilege is that no one talks about how you got, how, how you got this privilege and no one talks about how you maintain this privilege. And so white privilege, it devolves into this blameless system where, where it's like, yeah, you know, I got privilege. That's the reason why that, that I'm not, a victim like Breonna Taylor or or San, or Sandra Blank, it's very inoffensive, mm -hmm. and so this is why. Like I I never use that word. Like I just I hate it. Like you know it, you know it's it's just it's it, it's such a weak way of just of just talking about the biggest problem that we face on this planet. Yeah, white supremacy is definitely stronger. That's for sure. Um, you know, uh, so. Let me go to your second piece of advice. Yes, yes, ma'am. Is that the second most powerful thing you can do is speak up. I mean, obviously that is something that you have been doing your, your whole life as a writer, of right. course, but in this context, what would you tell a young person who's just starting their first job at a tech company who might, might naturally be inclined to, to keep to themselves? You know, what advice would you give to someone like that? I mean, here's the thing, right? So if you want someone to treat you a certain way, 
then other people are, are going to see that and they're going to think that it's okay. And then it just starts a, a, a chain reaction and you're going to just start accepting any kind of treatment. It's like, I hate to use this analogy, right? But this is probably the only, the only one that I can come up with. Mm-hmm. I've talked to many people who have been incarcerated. Mm. And one of the first things that they tell me is that if there's the first sign of disrespect, you have to nip that in the bud immediately. Yes. Because if you do not, then that then 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 you will never have a moment of peace. Mm-hmm. So you have, I like to call it, you have to set the precedent very early. I mean, it's like, you know, you're, I mean, Ashanti, you know, you're a parent, right? So if you've been raising a kid that that's that's 10 and if you let that kid get away with x behavior for nine for nine years you know it's hard for you to tell the uh, the kid at age 10 hey listen don't do that the 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 kid's gonna be like well you know mom i've been doing this for nine years so Mm -hmm. you know you know set the precedent and if you get a if you get a negative blowback from that then go to hr like, yeah. you know, this is what, this is, this is what human resources is supposed to be there for. Mm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people uh, would give the opposite advice and say, don't go to HR. Um, and I know that's actually, I'm having a clubhouse discussion this coming Monday um, about that topic is, is, you know, should black people trust HR, but that's a, that's a whole other. Um, I, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's a uh, uh, that's a really uh, that's a really tricky question because uh, I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean, I don't think that we should, but when you often it's the HR, only place you have a, to go. I mean, that's that, yeah, yeah. Where where else are I mean, you? I mean, yeah. you know, like that's the only avenue, and, and plus when you go to HR, that that that's that leads to sort of a paper trail. That that's mm-hmm. a that's that's documentation there saying that listen. I took these steps before I did X, Y, and Z. Yep. So you've essentially exhausted all of your resources. Yes. So that actually, I, I think, uh, leads into your last piece of advice is to know when to ask for help. Uh, we talked a little bit before we got onto the podcast about, um, you know, tactics that you can take to, sort of address some of the issues that you might face. So tell me, tell me, tell me about those and kind of what you have learned and what you have employed yourself. Right. So, you know, as a writer, like, you know, one thing that I've learned is that, you know, documentation is key, right? You know, I remember I was having an issue at a, at a firm in, in San Diego. And, um, you know, I was talking to my father he was like, man, start journaling, start, start writing everything down. You're like, you know, my mother as well. And like, you know, both me, hey, you know, write down dates and, and times and, and, you know, people and just try to be as descriptive as, as possible because you, because you never know when you will, uh, when you will need this. Also, you know, don't be afraid to escalate things. Look, if you're going to be working there, so we work eight hours, right? And so that's a pretty significant part of our, of our life. Don't be afraid to escalate issue, you know, uh, you know, documentation, um, 
you know, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. You know, we work in an environment that's one third of our, of, of our lives. Like, you know, we, we deserve to have peace. We deserve to be in a place where, where you don't feel bullied or, or pressured or, or, you know, discriminated against, you know, many times these situations are not going to change unless someone sticks their, sticks their neck out. Listen, I wrote this article not just so I can be published, but also to, to help folks that are coming after me. You, you know, that's, that's the main, that's the main thing. So, you know, don't, you know, don't be afraid to rough, uh, uh, to ruffle some feathers, man. Like, you know, we, most of the time we all, we got. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hear you when you say that you spend a third of your waking of, of your, well, half your waking life, but a third of your life doing work and, um, you know, finding your peace is so important. And I can say for myself that, uh, the journey I've taken over the last year and meeting and connecting with people like you has absolutely brought me some of that peace. And, um, I'm just really happy to have, to have met you and grateful to have you on the, on the show. 100% Ashanti, like I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to be like stalking you. Uh, I'm on stalk away. I'll stalk you too. But I've been stalking you. So, and I know you've been but stalking I mean, but, me. <laughs> <laughs> you but I mean, no, me. like, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's good to talk to like-minded folks and to also have a platform like this and to be able to, you know, you know, something that, you know, you had said in, in the podcast or earlier, you know, this is, this is for everybody, right? So like these lessons and these, these stories that, that I'm saying, you know, could be utilized in, in so many ways for so many different folks. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I agree. And I hope that um, tons of people continue to hear your message, both on this podcast and in your future writings. So I wish yes, you very yes, best. All right. Thanks so All much. Right, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Martin. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me. Please follow me Ashanti Martin on LinkedIn. Subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to them, go leave me a review on Apple podcasts. If you're inclined, if you like what you hear, if you don't, please don't leave me a review. Thanks. Um, this is, again, part of the EdUp Experience Podcast Network. Go to edupexperience.com, click Shows, and view the full list of our 11 and counting members of the podcast network. They are expert, they are fun, and they are friends. So edupexperience.com. Have a great day.